Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. everyone. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Rob Rubina, Dr. Ray Carr, and Dr. Nick Perigini. Um, today we're going to talk about treating diagnosis versus treating dysfunction. So this is a big thing in the PT and medical realm where, um, you know, someone comes in with a script that says torn rotator cuff and um, we do special tests to determine which, um, which muscle's torn and then we kind of... Um, you know, we may or may not, depending on your philosophy, treat based off of what we find, based off of the the diagnosis, right? Um, so, my thoughts initially, as we're getting into this first, is I typically sometimes I don't even want to see the script before I treat a patient because I think it clouds my judgment and it will kind of put me on a path where I'm already making assumptions that aren't necessarily true. Um, so. Um, you know, if a patient's really pushing, like I want you to look at my script, I want you to look at my MRI, X-ray. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I'll look at that a, a little bit later, but I like to come up with my own determination before I take a look at that stuff sometimes um, just because I don't want to cloud my judgment. Um, because as we all know, we've heard it a million times, like you are not your MRI, right? So just because something on film shows um, dysfunction in a tissue doesn't mean that might be the tissue causing the pain. Um, so generally... Um, the last couple of weeks we've talked about our upper and lower body assessment. So hopefully you guys have listened to that. If not, go back in the past two episodes. Um, but we, you know, I'm typically going to look at how someone moves. I'm going to take them through um, the tests that we discussed in those episodes. And I'm going to find out where the weak links in the chain may be. And then I'm going to address those weak links and, and see how they fit into why I think their problem occurred. And then I may confirm with. Um, what the doctor thought on the script or what the films say, or I'm just going to kind of continue to treat the dysfunction because um, that's most likely what caused the breakdown in tissue to um, leading to the injury, whether it was um, a chronic injury that kind of continued to manifest until the straw broke the camel's back, or it was this dysfunction, strength, stability, neuromuscular control, soft tissue, whatever, um, just kind of predisposed them to um, a trauma that they couldn't control or if it was just this overall overarching trauma that they just you know there was an injury was bound to happen anyway so um basically what i'm what i'm looking for is i'm not i'm very rare i don't know i'm not treating diagnosis but i'm figuring out the dysfunction and seeing how that may fit with the diagnosis and if i agree what the doctor thought in his five minute visit with the with the patient thoughts guys yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree a lot with what John said. Uh, I'm someone I definitely do not, you know, right off the bat treat from, a, you know, off the doctor script. Uh, I try not to treat symptoms either. I try to kind of look at things like from a whole movement perspective and, you know, find the most dysfunctional movement pattern. And a lot of times you'd be surprised on if you can clear up that movement pattern or, you know, whatever it is, it's going to help clear up symptoms. Um, and then necessarily, like, uh, the diagnosis doesn't necessarily really change your treatment. Um, a lot of times, like, if someone comes in with meniscal pain or, you know, a possible meniscal tear on the script, 
uh, you'd be surprised what just treating soft tissue, maybe doing a little bit of, uh, you know, you know, moves, um, and then just some hip strengthening and hip stability work, uh, getting the knee into a better position as well can do for changing the symptoms. So, yeah, go and what both of you guys are saying, I really love, and I think having a diagnosis labeled on someone, it can limit your view, right? It can narrow your view to a, either a specific tissue, a specific structure, instead of taking a step back and looking at the forest through the trees. And, you know, what, what, what that, and I, and I take this a lot from Ray, like Ray will run a lot of people write down, you know, SFMA and take that full body evaluation. Um, and that's something I, I really picked up instead of just, you know, looking at, hey, you know, you have, you have shoulder impingement, just kind of narrowing my view on, on the shoulder, but instead, you know, taking a, a global approach and, like, let's really try and find some, some, uh, some global dysfunction that maybe we can attribute some of the impairments that, that we're dealing with instead of just, you know, working on external rotation strength because you have a shoulder impingement diagnosis on your script. Yeah, absolutely. You have to remember, like, when you find a dysfunctional pattern, like, that's, that's there, that's solidified. And a lot of times, because of that, compensation is going to take place. And that's where your other aches and pains can kind of surface sometimes. So. Yeah, and I think, Ray, how many times have we seen someone comes in with low back pain and you fix a hip hit and, and the, you know, the script might say disc herniation, L4, L5, L5, S1 with radiating symptoms, but you clear up a little soft tissue and you teach them a hip hinge and, you yeah. know, the symptoms clear. So. Um, I mean, to me, there's there's really just a little nugget here. There's no replacement for getting some someone moving the right way. I mean, that is kind of one of the you know top to priority list for me always. So, so guys, it sounds like what you're saying is you're fixing the cause of the injury instead of just fixing the injury. If that makes sense. I would agree. I think, and I think physical therapists traditionally, you know, at least from what we, what we learned in school is, you know, we're really good at having these tables that say, hey, here's your diagnosis, here's A, B, and C, what you do to fix that. And, you know, a lot of times that's just not the case. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, in, in thinking about that too, I think when a doctor gives someone a script and someone reads, oh, I have a disc herniation, automatically they kind of go into this mode of oh i have a disc herniation i'm going to need surgery it's really bad you know doctors i think aren't always the best at you know um treating in the biopsychosocial model like they don't always use the best verbiage to just explain things to people um like they use never never again always um and I think so someone will come in with a script and again using a herniation example they're like I have a disc herniation it's definitely causing my pain you know I'm hoping I don't have to get surgery and sometimes we have to talk people down off the ledge because they become their diagnosis um, but again if we kind of give them hey this might have been like you said Rob this might have been the reason why over time this injury occurred and this is how we can fix it and then if we can quickly teach them a better movement pattern to treat the dysfunction then very quickly you know by the end of the session their whole demeanor changes because they're like all right now i have a little bit of hope john just explain to me um i'm not my diagnosis surgery may not be the only option i feel better leaving you know i can still continue to work out because they showed me this this better way of moving and we're gonna work with my coach um so people leave feeling better about the recovery process uh, you know, if you treat the dysfunction instead of dwelling on the diagnosis. 
Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful kind of series you just explained there, John. You know, having someone come in who maybe they've they've been they've had a diagnosis slapped on them from you know either imaging and if you've ever you know if you've ever read an MRI report, I mean even as a physical therapist, sometimes MRI reports are, are pretty crazy. Um, and you take you know just someone who doesn't really have a background in anatomy or physiology and they read this MRI report, that's a pretty scary thing. Uh, so when they when they come in and they go like, what does this mean? And it really, it's really up to us to to like John said, is we're almost de-educating people and talking them off the ledge of like, hey, let, let's actually kind of break this down. Um, and then in your session again, we're, you know, we're we're recognizing those dysfunctions, and if we can get them to move in a pain-free pattern and give them some hope, uh, to me, like that's that's one of the most important things that we can do as physical therapists is get and sh- like show someone that they're able to you know, go beyond their diagnosis, move pain-free, and then have hope and know that there's things to work on, right? It's not just like, this is this is your destiny. Have some hope, show them the future, you know, paint out the, paint out the, paint out the end goal for them. Yeah, I also think like using the meniscus, again, as uh, just because I did have one recently, um, as an example, uh, not being nailed down by that diagnosis, you know, allows you to you know look a little bit more globally and then really find let's find the cause for why is there a meniscus pathology Um, because ultimately say worst case scenario surgery was on the table and that was the path the patient ended up taking really unless you fix those underlying causes maybe it's squat mechanics whatever it may be you know you're going to get further degeneration and the patient might be in the same exact situation a year later right so um, yeah, not being nailed down by that diagnosis, looking a little bit more globally, finding that underlying cause. That's great, guys. I have a quick story for you. I had a kid come in the other day. Um, he had a spondy in, like, the winter. So he was, like, five or six month, months out of the spondy injury. Did therapy. He's back playing. All good. Um, the doctor told him um, not to squat or deadlift, pretty much. I took it as ever. <laughs> right? Um and when you look at them squat and deadlift, when you look at a move, um, you know, we just started with basic patterns of just learning to hip hinge and learning to squat. He was squatting and hip hinging in extension. And that's what caused possibly some of his, some of his spondees, back fractures. Um, the doctor told him pretty much just to leg press for like lower body training. So the mom and, this, and the son were very hesitant when I was like, look, we're going to try to relearn how to squat and deadlift. They were very, very hesitant to, to start because they were labeled and diagnosed as a spondy and they were told not to do this and that. And I'm like, so I had to explain to them the cause of what caused his spondy injury. And when I explained to them and why the leg press might not be the best option for him because there's no trunk control, there's no core and trunk stabilization as much as required in a deadlift or squat, the light bulb went off in their heads and they were like, wow, this, this makes a lot of sense. We're gonna. St- this is all good. So I, you know, I, everything you guys are saying, I, I'm seeing as well from a transitioning side, and I think it's it's important to to tell people what they can do instead of what they can't do. Right, and there you're gonna treat the dysfunction instead of his diagnosis. Yes, right? correct. That that's exactly what I explained to the mom. That's exactly right. How scary is it that that you know few minutes of educating that athlete and his family were probably the most the most education they've ever received on that issue. Yeah. Right? No, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's, you know, that's, that, I guess that was one reason why they decided to come in and see me was because they were kind of just lost as like what to do for lower body training. 
and this kid wants to play college baseball and he was told not to squat and deadlift you know so that leaves him with machines and lunging pretty much is what he told me he's been doing so um, you know I, I think from from what I see from an assessment standpoint obviously I'm not assessing or diagnosing anyone hopefully no trainers or strength coaches are doing that um, that's not that's not our jobs uh, our job is to obviously we're seeing as coaches we're seeing lots of dysfunction right but our dysfunction is pain-free so in essence, you know, that's really the only thing that's separating what a strength coach is doing and what PTs are doing is, is pain. Obviously, is changing the way someone is moving, but we're all treating someone's problems or causing of injuries or dysfunctional movements or limited range of motion or whatever it might be, except I'm just seeing them without pain. So I think, you know, I can definitely speak to someone coming in or having some dysfunction, whether it's limited upward rotation of the shoulder, limited flexion, limited internal rotation of the shoulder. These are all dysfunctional movements of the shoulder that could potentially cause some impingements, rotator cuff fraying, labral stuff, whatever it might be. Um, I have no knowledge of treating any of those injuries, but I have a lot of understanding and knowledge of how to treat that dysfunction. And I think that's what strength coaches and trainers should be doing if someone comes in with limited motion, limited problems, limited strength, whatever it might be. Well, I think that Rob, speaking to your point of impingements and rotator cuffs, like how much, you know, for all of us as, as clinicians, PTs, and then strength coaches, you're probably seeing them all prevent very similarly, or your rehab or correcting the movement dysfunction that's leading to both of those is probably going to look pretty similar. Yeah, for the I most agree. Part, right, I agree. If, yes. if someone comes in and they have a little bit of anterior shoulder pain, Rob, and you watch their their scaps move you're going to be able to clean up a scap and maybe clear that a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I same agree. thing with us. Like, it doesn't matter for, as PTs which rotator cuff muscle is torn or, or if it's an anterior shoulder impingement. Like, if we correct how the scapula and thoracic spine, you know, articulate with each other and then how the humerus articulates in the glenoid, which is the, the joint of the shoulder and the shoulder girdle, like, for the most part, we're clearing those um, – the pattern and clearing yep. the pain, right? Clearing mm-hmm. the symptom. Um, so I think that's where knowing where to refer out as a strength coach, but oh, often yeah. strength coaches, if they clear the dysfunction, they're getting people out of pain as well. Yeah. And people yeah. find that very valuable. I agree, John. And I think referring out is a huge uh, component to, um, you know, as a strength coach, you have to know when to refer out. Obviously, if someone has pain in an evaluation, um, that's the number one reason why trainers and coaches should be doing evaluations is you have to look for any pain or, or, or um, problems that might arise during a training session um, so you don't further hurt or injure people. Um, so if someone does have pain during a training session or during an evaluation, um, you know, our education does not qualify us to treat that pain. So you have to refer out. And again, for the same before, that's why I have three great PTs I can refer to to help with people that show up in pain. I think, though, you have to think, though, think about, Rob, if so, if you're doing your evaluation and someone is anterior shoulder pain with active flexion, active shoulder flexion, are you correcting posture to see if that clears or are you referring out right away? Yeah, I'll definitely try some things first um, to see if it's something that can be quickly fixed, right? If someone has um, some sort of problem um, and there's no history of, of dysfunction, um, and it doesn't seem very serious, yeah, let's try some things and see if it works. Um, 
you know, even if it still works, John, I'm probably still minimally having a conversation with you or having a conversation with the parent or the kid saying, hey, you might need PT if this doesn't work. Or, hey, you just minimally have a conversation, minimally get a quick look, see what's going on, see how serious this is. Because, again, I'm not qualified. We're not trained to evaluate or diagnose people. Um, so it, it, that's, again, like you have to know your place in the continuum of care. And when it's all said and done, the client is going to be happy because you, as the strength coach, were the quarterback and were able to send this person there and send this person here, see this specialist, see that specialist to help them further um, relieve their pain. Yeah. So, so if you're not a, a strength coach and you haven't, um, or if you are a strength coach and haven't formed your network around you, like make sure you find good PTs, good chiropractors, good massage therapists, like have the referral network to kind of cover the scope of practices that you might not um, yep. have knowledge in and like you said like the if you help guide the person they're always going to come back because you yes. helped them get better yes best case scenario they go to a physical therapist physical therapist checks them out maybe nothing's too serious you get them back you're still the man you get green light you know worst case yep. scenario they go to the PT guess what we you know PT's able to you know get them out of pain get them moving the right way come back to you they get to hit it hard you're still the man yep. but Rob it, it, you know it sounds like you know, we talked about this in the previous episode, but you know, you're you're watching some some shoulder flexion. Maybe you are seeing a dysfunction, just like a just like a deadlift, just like a squat, right? Mm-hmm. You coach first before being like, oh, you have knee pain. We can't right. do that. Exactly. Coach first, see if we can make lasting change. And I think that's mm-hmm. a lesson that all physical therapists need to understand. It's like, and that yeah. goes back to diagnosis. Right. It's like, okay, you have knee pain. Hey, let's coach. Right. If we can make a if we can make a fix with coaching and altering movement patterns like that's a win yeah right? i agree yeah people don't want to be they don't again they don't want to they want to be successful they want to they want to do things that they can do and be healthy and feel good they don't want to be told they can't do this they can't do that don't do that don't do this that that's not <laughs> that's negative mindsets that that's not good um yeah nick i think that's money money to, in the back not to mention but like for your spondy case i mean in terms of ways to like you know two movements the squat and the deadlift in terms of like two methods of really learning if done properly to stabilize your trunk i mean those are two great two great movements there to to really utilize i mean to be an athlete right like, yeah for yep. performance yep. yeah and you, you coach them out of knee pain be, like you coach them to move properly take pressure off the meniscus or the patella patella tendonitis and mm-hmm. You know, right away you win some buy-in from the client. Right. And that's where I think, again, having a good PT to understand that instead of just doing stuff on the table, side-lying this, side-lying that, where they're not actually, like, standing up and you don't have to coach as a PT, from what I've seen, that's what separates good PTs from bad PTs is, like, get kids up, get people up standing, moving, if they can, obviously, but, you know, for the most part, like, most PTs need to learn how to coach and need to be good coaches. And if you can't coach them, um, you're no good to me. That seems like a recurring <laughs> it's a recurring theme, isn't it, Rob? I mean, yeah, not to go off on a tangent here, but you know, I like PTs that understand exercise and can coach exercise. If you can't do that, I don't. Uh, you can consider yourself a PT. So, Rob, you're saying that our um, you know pre 
pre-made templates for medial knee pain that we have sitting in the office are, are no good. I throw them right in the trash. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, you know, all jokes aside, like, that is... Or when the doc hands someone something, they're like, yeah, I tried the doctor's exercise. It didn't really help. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a no thing. Good. That's actually an actual thing that, you know, a lot of clients... I know, I've seen it. Like, oh, I've seen it. Template exercises based on low back pain. Yeah. Like, so, how, what? So you're an individual... You need, you should get, like, I had someone email me this week. They're like, you know, I saw you a year ago for my left shoulder pain. Now the same pain is happening in your right shoulder. Can you resend the exercises you gave me for the left shoulder? Hmm. Like, no, because I don't know. No. I, I don't know if it's different. I need to reassess right. and reevaluate and see how I can individualize the program to give you the best results. So when does diagnosis matter? Slash does it? Postoperatively? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, guide that because that's going to guide the healing I mean, process is going to sure. guide your you intervention know when, a little bit. Where someone is in terms of Definitely. you know that acute phase, subacute, when you're you know out of that window and can really start to progress them, um, I think so. You know, in that sense, yeah. state of the tissue in the healing um, phases. Yeah, because even if someone's looking really good, if you know where they are in the healing process, you have to you know hold them back a little bit. Um, I have a patient now who he's feeling really good, wants to do all this stuff, and he's like, no, not yet. You're still at this phase of healing, and the tissue's still not solidified. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing, yeah, knowing that, knowing their post-operative situation. I mean, maybe it's a shoulder. Maybe they got four anchors in their posterior labrum. Like, all right, maybe we don't want to stress that posterior capsule all that much, you know, early on. So, mm-hmm. you know, so could be anything. Um, but basically, I think we all have a consensus of um, we're treating – don't let – diagnosis clouds your judgment take it as like just um, a piece of information and then we're traditionally or for the most part most of us are looking at the dysfunction and what may have led to the injury and then fixing that to get them out of the acute the acute or the chronic phase wherever they are Thanks again for listening, guys. Don't forget to please share with friends if you think we provide um, good quality content. And um, again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon.